Listener Production. If you dropped your change in a tip jar, but the barista didn't see it, did it really happen? <gasps> it's Matt and Alex All Day Breakfast. Yes, another Matt and Alex All Day Breakfast. An absolutely huge one today. And it's been great watching some of the videos from last Friday's first birthday popping up on Instagram as well, Alex Dyson. Oh, it wasn't um, just... You know, goddamn pipes, bro. <laughs> you know, we were like, uh, it was an all, mu- an all singing, all dancing affair, really. People came along, they weren't expecting live music. And Boilermakers did get up and perform their track, Good Vacuum, featuring uh, Dice at the Vacuum uh, on stage. It was pretty, pretty good. Make sure you're across our Instagram if you want to see the uh, fact of that. Speaking of Boilermakers, didn't Boilermakers have a feature one time? Of a very special um, special guest on one of your lyrics who may or may not be uh, on today's show? Actually, yes. Yeah, this is very true. Um, our guest today, Julia Stone, did uh, feature. I mean, I wouldn't <laughs> I wouldn't even bring it up, really. Well, it's, it's not. That's she, she, she has tried her best to scrub this from the history books as much as possible. It, it, was a, it was a voicemail that I used creatively throughout a, uh, you know, a Boilermakers Project, yes. And look, to be honest, it didn't make the, the Julia Stone Super Cup. We all have the rightness to be okay, okay, okay for now. Yeah, she has a new album called 60 Summers. It's her third solo album and she's going to be coming in to have a chat about it, which is awesome. Yeah, absolutely cannot wait. Also, we've got another insider ducking behind the scenes of... Uh, Quite a ghastly and bloody industry. Yeah, most of the time we go, you get to take a look about behind the scenes at how the sausages are made. And today it's it's not metaphorical. We are going to be chatting to someone who knows their way around an intestine. And uh, by popular demand, we could be hearing a, an anecdote, Matt, that people are breaking down the doors uh, yes, yeah, something that happened to me on a plane ride once. Well, if, well, well. How are those we knees, Alex Dyson? <laughs> they a bit raw from coming crawling back to your boy. Well, we will see. It's All Day Breakfast with Matt and Alex. Hope you're well. Everyone ready? Let's get this show on the road. Let's go. Here we go, here we go, here we go. Matt and Alex, All Day Breakfast. We should say right off the top, a uh, very happy International Nurses Day to the nurses out there yeah. doing such a good job under difficult circumstances. I mean, I should say even more difficult circumstances over the last 12 months. Um, that's big stuff. I don't stuff. know how they do it. No. no I squirm. I, I yeah. squirm at everything. Hospitals give me the squirmies. <laughs> I cannot be, I can't be in them. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, nurses every day in, day out, clocking in, mm. uh, keeping people alive. That's Letting it. people die with dignity. I mean, it's a really, it's a, it's a roller coaster ride. Absolutely, and in particularly as we were mentioning, the last twelve months, nurses have been at the coal face. You know, they're every day masked up, going home, having to go again, seeing so much. Um, not only in Australia but around the world, and uh, it would be, you know, very difficult to uh, to survive through that and, and persevere. And and everyone's had their own struggles over the last twelve months as well, Matt. Yeah, look, uh, someone who. Deserves our thoughts and prayers at the moment is uh, Gwyneth Paltrow as well. Um, because yeah, I, enough, get out of the limelight, nurses. All right. <laughs> what no, have no, you no. done for me lately? Look, Gwyneth did an interview recently um, and was uh, honest enough in it to admit that, uh, as, as well as many people have, I'm sure, mm. she has uh, been driven to some extremes during 
you know, quarantine, lockdown, COVID, etc. Okay. Um, Gwyneth admitted to drinking as many as two cocktails a night during lockdown from uh, a quinoa-based whiskey cocktail. Um, and uh, <laughs> she came. It's like she, it's her own recipe. It's called the Buster Paltrow. Wait. Um, she brews her own whiskey from quinoa. No, it's her own recipe. Okay. It's uh, it's. It's it's a, called the Buster Paltrow. It's named after her grandfather, who loved whiskey sours. And this is a, a cocktail that's made from quinoa whiskey um, from a distillery in Tennessee. It's got maple syrup. It's got lemon juice. Wow. It's just heaven. It's just heaven. She said, "I have two of these every night of quarantine." Okay, so that was. I mean, I don't know if she's in quarantine or proper lockdown. So is this just two weeks? It could just be two weeks. <laughs> yeah, right. But also, more startling news is that, um, and we should probably probably pray for Gwyneth in these dark times because apparently things got um, so bad things got so bad that she has been driven to even sometimes eat you know I don't know if I can say it (laughs) um bread and pasta God, are you telling me the filthy disgusting carbohydrates touched the lips of our Gwyneth and it's really and hard to believe. Even worse, the hips of our Gwyneth. <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't know where the carbs went, to be honest. Um, but look, I can relate. I can relate. <laughs> if the, uh, this might surprise you, but I can relate. One of the few times you can relate to Gwyneth. <laughs> I have been known to have cocktails and bread and pasta as well. Yeah, okay. well, not two though. Um, and so, you know, just knowing knowing what Gwyneth's had to go through to, you know, having to to succumb to this stodge. Yep. I think we can agree that this is, without a shadow of a doubt, one of the darkest days in carb history. So we thought we'd have a look back on some of the other darkest days in carbohydrate history, Alex Dyson. Oh, there's too too many to name, isn't there? Well, the sun rare, rareth shine uh, upon the old uh, the grains, the wheats, the rices, <laughs> I mean, the corns. How they trick doctors into putting them at the bottom of that food pyramid, I will not. I will never know. You want to you want to ask whether man's on the moon or not? No, 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 no. There's a conspiracy. The old bag of wheat at the bottom of the pyramids. Thank you, big carb. Here's some dark days in carb history. July 17th, 1999, David Whipple buys a cheeseburger, leaves it in his jacket pocket. His wife finds it a few years later. <laughs> Hang on. <laughs> well, so he never he was, wore the jacket again. He was trying to perform some experiments, so left it in his pocket, then forgot about it completely. His wife finds it a few years later. Then they decide, well, let's just keep it. And it becomes the oldest cheeseburger in history. Okay, it's 20 years old as of last year. Almost sold for $2,000 on eBay. Thank you very much. Still looks like it's come fresh off the grill, except for a rotting pickle. (laughs) January 2005, Bobby Henderson, a 24-year-old physics graduate, sends an open letter to the Kansas State Board of Education in which he professes his belief that uh, whenever a scientist carbon dates an object, Mm. a supernatural creator that closely resembles spaghetti and meatballs, is also there changing the results with his noodly appendage. (laughs) Oh, is this, um... (laughs) 
What are they called? The Pastafarians. Exactly. <laughs> Therefore, the new religion is born, Pastafarians. It got it gets rejected by the Kansas State Board of Education. It's not allowed to be taught in schools, but it does get a following. Uh, but sadly, because it's not considered, you know, science or religion, um, it is quite a dark day in carb history. Pastafarians wear a colander on their head. That's <laughs> that's that's their traditional garb, isn't it? <laughs> their carb garb. <laughs> 1962, 20-year-old Sam Panopoulos in Canada is making a pizza. Uh, he's just returned from Greece and thinking he can bring a few ideas from Greece to Canada. He's making a pizza where he notices a can of pineapple <laughs> on the nearby <laughs> counter. Is this how it started? He does <laughs> something that many will regret <laughs> For decades to come. He does the unthinkable. (laughs) And the Hawaiian pizza is born. So wait, the Hawaiian pizza was made by a Greek? From in Canada, apparently. Apparently sets up a restaurant chain in Ontario. What a dark day. Delish, but. April 19th, a burglar steals some... Money and equipment from the Camphora Bakery in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, okay? So the bakery owners decide to take the law into their own hands, all right? And uh, they decide to print the burglar's image, which they've gotten from CCTV footage, onto the icing of some cookies. (laughs) And they ask their customers to ID him as they sell the cookies over and on Facebook, etc. There's lots of leads. They find the culprit, but lo and behold... Nobody gets arrested. So the thief gets away, Alex Dyson, despite the very crafty techniques to find them. Indeed, a dark day. And there you have it. Wow. Four dark days in the history of carbs, Alex Dyson, and a fifth with Gwyneth Paltrow succumbing to those stodgy goodness. Thank you, Matt, for taking that exposing look into the history of pastries and breads and pastas. Um, we will just hope that Gwyneth isn't resu- doesn't resort to um, eating a Hawaiian pizza because that is, <laughs> that is a fate worse than death. And we should shout out to our deity, uh, the greatest one of them all, the flying spaghetti monster. Wait, did you say deity? As in a, our diet, as in carbs? Instead of oh, deity? Oh, I didn't think about that. No, is, it da- is it deity? Deity? I don't know. Unintentional puns. <laughs> Unintentional puns. All day breakfast. Coffee? Yeah, coffee. A seventh coffee never hurt anyone. Now I feel a buzz. Are you keeping juicy gas from me? Do you know what's going on here? We know what's going on. You won't believe it. Real juicy. So let's just keep it on the down low, shall we? Matt and Alex's Insiders. Insiders. Yes, it is the segment where we ask the questions about your profession that the rest of society is being kept from. We're blissfully unaware of what, hap- what happens behind closed doors when it comes to uh, everyone's profession, Matt O'Kine. We've got a very interesting one today. Yeah, absolutely. One of the highlights of childhood, rocking up to the deli section uh, or the uh, you know somewhere in the shopping centre, you'd see the big tray of little Cheerios. Are they called Cheerios in Victoria? Cheerios? Yeah, remember like the cereal? Like, no, the little the little red sausages. 
Oh, cocktail Frankfurts. Yeah, well, I mean, they're called Cheerios in, in Queensland. Anyway, you'd, you'd ask your, your parents if you could have a Cheerio and the person behind the counter would grab one and hand it to you. What, and that was out. the beauty of a little trip to the butchers. And it's now time to ask, what happens when that door swings shut and you go out the back? We have our anonymous butcher insider with us now. Now, hello, anonymous. Good afternoon, boys. How are we? Oh, we're good, thank you. Ready to get bloody. Um, now, Anonymous, <laughs> yeah. you, how long have you been um, butcher for? How long have you been slicing and dicing, mate? I've been slicing and dicing, stir-frying and everything, mate, for 22 years. Whoa. Wow! Okay. You're, one of the most, you're one of the most experienced insiders we've had because most people want to spell the beans after nine months, but you're, you're <laughs> finally ready to lift the lid on what I'm sure is quite a, a stockpot. <laughs> um, so tell us about it. Uh, I mean, let's let's talk about the hours first. What do you what do you what are you sort of working every day? Oh, so pretty much eleven hours a day. Um, I do work every uh, second Thursday night. Work every second weekend. So I'm pushing like sixty five hours a week. That's all. Wow. Mm. Okay. And um, let's go to the origins. Did you always want to be a butcher? How'd you get into it? Actually, funny. He actually mentioned that. Um, I did a uh, work experience at my local butcher shop um, when I was like well, I was 15, I think it was. And um, yeah, I did work experience, I enjoyed it. And then I'll, I ended up being a washer boy for the for the owner. And then uh, towards the end of year 10, he offered me an apprenticeship. And I said, yep, let's do it. Bring now, do you, do you own your own butcher shop now? No. Um, I've been around. I've worked uh, as a manager. Like I've worked my way up. You know, I've started as a shikikura and go to like to IC and management. I've worked in supermarkets. I've worked in butcher shops. Yeah, I, I've been around. <laughs> all right, gracious, let's you know it the, all. Let's oh, get you know, to the yeah. nitty gritty here, yeah. anonymous. What's in the sausages? <laughs> I knew you were going to ask me that. <laughs> well, so there's um, you know, usual, you know, a little bit of fat because there's a guideline is seventy five percent meat, twenty five percent fat. Now, Ooh. they don't specify what kind of meat you can use. That's the thing, right? Ooh. So in the past, I may have allegedly used lamb tongues in there before, just Ooh. to give it, some, uh, give it some body. Well, if um, anyone knows flavour, it's a tongue. Is this when you say... flavour, it's a tongue. Is this when you say, like, it's a lamb sausage, you'll use lamb tongue, or are you just chucking lamb tongue in any um, old sausage? Well, if you call it a barbecue sausage, you can literally pour whatever you want in it. Wow. Wow. What, what goes in a Matt, – Matt talked about the Cheerios. He just got handed one <laughs> over the game. What goes into the old cocktail Frankfurt? Oh, that's just um, just standard trim. Just like – uh, same again, 25, 25. Um, some seasonings are like just like salt and pepper, mm. paprika. Just, yeah, just bits of pieces. Where does the pink come from, from the skin? Do you even make those or does most which yes. is just oh, import yes. them? Oh, yes. I do. So, so what actually happens is um, – they, we use a artificial skin, and then they get cooked in a, a big oven, and then they get dipped in a in a food dye after they're cooked. Mm. That's oh. how you get the colour. Interesting. So you actually make them on site? I just assumed that they were all sort of packaged, because I remember looking at a, like a supermarket tray of yep. Frankfurt's, and literally in the ingredients it just said meat, 75%. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, mate, how meat. can you just say that? Like, that doesn't mean anything to anyone. Oh, mate, your wife had like lamb tongues, lamb hearts. Mm. Um, yeah, lots of things, mate. Interesting. Things. And speaking of fruits, right, when I was when I was an apprentice, we used to get kids all the time, like they'd come over, come over after school, 
pace her, cut some frets, yeah, and race. So I'd cut them a piece of frets, I'd nice and thick. One time, right, I had this kid, right, I gave him a, a nice big, thick piece of frets, and he gives me, where's the sauce? <laughs> so he expected you to dish up the tomato as well, yeah. the tomato yeah. sauce as well. You're not a yeah. restaurant, mate. You, you, you got work yeah. to do. Goodness right. me. Yeah. Um, all right, Anonymous, next question. What do you think of vegans? Oh, oh I, knew, I, knew, I knew you would ask me this. Um, well, I mean, Matt and I do not shy away from the big questions. Oh, I'm yeah. nervous about this answer. You know, we've we've got plenty of vegan listeners. And, oh, absolutely. Uh, oh, 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 I bet you do. Mm. Well, well, we're used to. Oh, They've probably tuned out by now. <laughs> so what's that? What's that? What's that, Anonymous? Um, you can keep your plant-based stuff to your bloody self. Oh, okay. So you think... So you like you like a... Um, a not as vocal vegan. It's when when the vegans start vocalising a few issues they have with uh, your craft that things get a little bit a uh, little bit hairy. Uh, yes, and they have before actually. I've, I've actually had uh, only probably two accounts. I've had a vegan so walk up and just blast me, and just walk off. <laughs> really? Oh, really? Shop? Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what? Do you know what freaks me out? Okay, when I go to the butcher, all right, yep. I'll, I'll ask for like. Um, let's say I'll go, can I get some chicken breast, please? And then they'll touch all the chicken breast and they'll hand me the bag and it's got like those chicken breast juices all over your hands oh. and stuff and then you're touching oh. other things. Like I'm like, ah! No. See, that's a bad butcher. That's a bad mm. butcher. I, I, if I ever touch anything, I always, always wash my hands mm-hmm. in front of the customers. I've always got a hot bucket of water there. So, again, you're, so if I do handle chicken, I usually put my hand in the bag anyway. Just for hygiene, mm-hmm. and then I, I wash my hands because that's my oh. thing. I, I myself. I hate it. That's I, it. it. Gives me the shits. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I always feel gross ha- t- taking over the bag. Yeah, that's not good. Absolutely. Yeah, interesting. Tell us, is there actually? Because I mean, the supermarkets—they're making a concerted effort to say, "Oh, look, our product is RSPCA approved. We're really, you know, animal friendly with our meats and blah blah blah." Is there actually a big difference these days between still your local butcher and the uh, supermarkets? Well, actually, there's actually um, the RSPCA code actually covers all all meats. So um, that's it's across the board. Local butcher shops, like all our stuff is um, is RSPCA approved and all that sort of stuff. You can definitely t- taste the difference and tell the difference between the stuff from a big company compared to us, like uh, us. Uh, smaller people, you can tell the the difference in the chicken, like their stuff, like just tough as, like ours is like nice and soft and juicy. Mm. You know, that, that's what you want. You, you want a nice, soft, juicy breast at, at the end of the day, don't you? When you get home. Mm. Oh yes, yes. <laughs> okay. Um, Absolutely. Hey, what's the what's the secret? What are the th- secret things to ask when you go to the butchers? Like, is there a secret Ooh. cut of steak that they uh, you know, that they'll have in the back fridge, or you know, what, what are some tips? If they're a good butcher, and um, you can always ask from, ask for our guests to get cut if you want something like really thick. You know, I'm happy to do it for you if you want really thin. If you want stir fried, I can make you like special marinades or a special meal for you. Yeah, just just, just be nice to your butcher and, and ask. What's the um, the butcher equivalent of chucking in an extra potato cake with the fish and chips? What's the um, <laughs> do you ever oh. you ever get a little bit generous with a bit of extra GST? Yeah, so so if you buy a value pack, right? So on the wall, you know, you sell like a pack for like hundred bucks, example, right? So I, I usually, if there's a kilo, I mean, so I go like a kilo and fifty grams, and oh, yep. same with same with the sausages. 
you know, you, you, I, I took in an extra couple of sausages for you. How much of your business, Anonymous, is made up in giving RSLs meat trays for raffles? Quite a few. Um, <laughs> we, we don't, I don't, <laughs> we don't do, I don't do heaps of RSLs, but I've, I've um, was, I was doing about 50 a week. 50 like, meat trays a week? Yes, 50 trays a week. And, like, and that's the way, that's the in one morning, mate. It's just this, <laughs> I'm on the bench. To smash them out, get them all done, wrapped up, stickers, the whole lot, mate. Goodness gracious! And how much are you? How much are you wasting? What's the waste like at a at a butcher? Mm. Oh, not too bad. If if you're a good manager, um, probably you're losing probably a thousand dollars a week if that. Um, so mm. you can always put in into pet mints. You know, just like just bits and pieces that that's no good or. Okay, so you so the 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 meat doesn't just go in the bin. You can kind no, of use it for no, other no. things. Sure, yes, and pet yes. mints and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, just yeah, just just you can literally put anything in pet mints and you get off them. Okay, what is your favourite cut of meat of all, or sausage, or anything? What is your just favourite thing? Oh, my Pork, favorite. chicken, steak, whatever. Steak has to be a thick, fat ass rump steak. Oh, big fat ass gravy. rump, eh? Hey? Oh, yeah, mate. Yeah, yeah, Bit of Rex in effect, eh? Hey? Yeah, Shake mate. your rump. All right. Oh, yeah. Shake that rump. <laughs> uh, any, any marinade on it? Or just a bit of salt shaker. and pepper? No, any no, bit of salt, salt and pepper. Mate. Salt and pepper on the grill, mate. Just All right. Pepper. Anonymous, dish the dirt here. What's mm. the deal with the Wagyu, what's the deal with the oh. Angus? Are these just marketing terms they chuck on it to make you go, ooh, you know? Or what's happening with them? All right, so the um, the Angus is a black Angus cow. So it's an actual breed of cow. So it's black Angus. It's it's a very, very nice cow. has a very nice rump, let's say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the Wagyu, um, they, the, the, those things are beasts. Um, they are actually bred to literally just... Stand in the, in the field or inside, get fed whatever. Uh, they get fed milk. They get massaged. They're the most <laughs> laziest body cows on the planet, Wait. and they're body expensive. <laughs> Wait, who's who's massaging the cow? I mean, I wouldn't mind getting a massage myself. From uh, if, if it's good for the cow, it's good for me. Oh yeah. So, um, all right, interesting. What's so, the, so, and you like the wagyu? Matt meat. <laughs> <laughs> do you rate? Do you rate the wagyu? Yes, he's body marvelous, mate. Oh, all right. Now I'm okay. Well, I'm look. I'm feeling. Right, all this talk of uh, rump has got me hot and bothered here. So, anonymous, <laughs> we're going to have to let you go. Thank you very much for dishing the dirt, and uh, we appreciate you taking us behind the uh, the old curtain of the butchers. Nice boys. I love your work. Take care. Thank you. You too. And look, don't forget, if you want to be a part of Insiders, no matter what industry you work in, please get in touch at matt.n.alex on Instagram. We would love to go peek behind the curtain and find out how the sausages are made. Order up! Just how you like it. Perfect. All day breakfast. Matt O'Kine, so excited right now to be chatting to someone whose music we are very familiar with, both with her duo project and now her third solo album, which has just come out called 60 Summers. Sounds a little bit like this. That is the latest song, Fire In Me. It is Julia Stone. She's with us in the studio. Hello, Julia. Hello. 
Uh, it's been a little while since we've we've caught up, Julia. Mm-hmm. Um, listening to the new music that you've been releasing, yeah, it sounds like a departure from um, what people may be expecting. But I can't put my finger on any style other than there is no specific <laughs> style. <laughs> well, I would have to agree with you. I remember finishing the record and sort of hoping that. Um, Annie or Kean, the um, engineer at the time on the final day of recording, I said, what kind of record is this? You know, like, and he said, I don't really know. <laughs> and he said, but I think that's a good thing because when you don't know what it is, that's exciting. And I thought, oh, yeah, that's a nice way of thinking about it. I thought it's just a bundle of music that I've written over the years that felt really fun to put together and put out because it was fun making it. So um, I think you're right. It's like a... Um, It was written over six years, so a whole bundle of different times, different experiences, and then the glue was the people who made it. That's incredible. Yeah, it covers so much musical territory. And were they? what would you say your influences were for various songs? Are there some surprising influences on the music you've come come through? Because Fire and Me, it sounds as sort of that rocky thing. I was even, like, getting Muse um, vibes out of it. (laughs) It was Big Day Out 2007. (laughs) Or or 10 or 13. They came a lot of news. They came out plenty of times. It was a news headlining again. (laughs) That was it. I was there every time. Yeah, at the front. (laughs) Um, No, I never went to the front. Oh, I did go to the front once actually and then I never went to the front again. I went to the front at a Big Day Out when Marilyn Manson played. And oh, I waited. That's, that's scary. It like, was bold. Oh. That is seriously scary. I remember trying to get through the the like um <laughs> oh the, you know because they had the the fences the sort of I remember one of my friends yeah, looked at me this was he looked at me fences. while we were squeezing through and he literally said we're cows man we're cows <laughs> <laughs> and you're just like goggle-eyed, just like yeah man <laughs> um. Yeah, no, it was very scary. And I remember thinking I got there, you know, when the band switched the main stage. Mm. And so I got there when the other band was playing. So I was right at the front with me and my two girlfriends, who I guess we were like 14 at the time. And um, all of a sudden, you know, the the, the 30,000 people in the Homebush um, arena started flooding in. And I was starting to get a bit claustrophobic and feeling a bit, oh, this is a bit scary. And everyone had the big... Um, you know, like quite heavy um, goth look and they had mm. spikes around the neck and they're actually the sweetest people because as I started having a panic attack, they all lifted me up and pushed me to the front and I got oh, out of there before it wow. even started. Oh, before they even took the stage. Yeah. Oh, man, I've got such a similar story, but it was the same double stage. First person was Björk was yeah. on and then it was Rage Against the Machine and I got absolutely poleaxed, Julia. Yeah. It was, I even hit the deck, I just remember someone going, Get him up! Get him up! <laughs> so, but you're right, people take yeah, care of each other whilst throwing elbows. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean that 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 you mentioned Bjork, Alex Dyson, but certainly Bjork's someone that I uh, think of when I'm listening to some of the new music that you've just released, Julia. One of the moments that I that stands out to me in in dance is the bell. What is it about that bell that makes me, I'm like... I don't know. Because I so... hear the bell and I think um, Nick Cave. Mm. And I don't know why either because I can't think of what song it is, but the bell is really... 
It stands out. Like, what? I feel like you would have had arguments in the in the studio about how loud it should be and how, like, it. I don't know, it just really strikes you, you know? Yeah. I feel like the bell at one point was maybe going to be pulled out. There was maybe a battle of the bell. I, <laughs> I can't remember it specifically, but... Is it was it a sample you found or was it an actual bell you, you hit? What what, what was the sound? I feel like the bell dance was a track that Annie was the predominant producer on. So Thomas and I had already made dance in a completely different style. And when Annie came on board, that was the one she went. No, it's like close but not close at all. <laughs> let's re- let's start this from the beginning. Those are good notes, aren't they? When yeah. you get those ones, <laughs> like it's sort of it's there, sort but of there, but let's just scrap everything. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a good moment. No, the, <laughs> I definitely felt, and Thomas agreed. We were we loved the chorus. We liked the why don't you why don't we dance um, melody, but the verses were really funky and they just didn't feel good. And Annie Annie said, "Let's try something like where it's just bass. It's driven by that boom 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 bass line." And then we started building it up from there, acoustic guitars. And I believe as well she started off playing the hi-hat part that drives the score. There's no drums really on the track except for her playing the hi-hat. Mm. And um, as it built, it just became this, yeah, it felt really romantic and felt kind of a little bit French. And so that's when I thought, I'm going to speak the verses and maybe that will make it work. And yeah. That- Even a bit like I, I was reminded of Soko's I'll Kill Her. Oh, my God. Um, the how, song yeah, and that spoken that thing. Song. It's like really good to attach to, attach yourself to and you get really engrossed with it. And then singing the high bits in the in the chorus as well. I oh, like yeah. I love how the melody just flies up there. Did that come to you naturally? Is that something like I want to do something totally different here? I have got like a very high voice, but I can actually sing even higher than my high voice, but it's not a very nice sound, but if you <laughs> if you triple it and pull it right back. Lots <laughs> <laughs> of reverb, just if you layer it, spread it. And yeah. Layer it and, yeah. And are you going to tour with the bell? Cuz I remember when um when Coldplay did the Viva La Vida tour, they've got that bell in it and they toured around with this big heavy bell on all the planes around the world I just mean, for that one song. I feel song. like Coldplay have the budget to tour yeah. with a bell. <laughs> I, yeah, I bells might, aren't light, hey. Like that, that's definitely it's excess baggage. It's like you get it to and they're yeah. just like, um, there's a little bit extra for musicians. <laughs> Not bell so, much, yeah. You, you know, you say that this album spans kind of six years. Yeah. That's a long period for a single project and you would have experienced great change in your life and the person that you are over those six years. And sometimes it must be weird listening back to the songs that you wrote at the very beginning compared to the songs that you would have written most recently. What are the differences between Julia six years ago starting this album and Julia six, uh, six years later? I really wish I could say that I've changed in six years, but I feel like I'm just the, what's that um, uh, proverb about the, um, mm. snail that gets kicked from the front door and then six years, I'd said it's not a proverb, it's a joke, I think. <laughs> and, then, and there's a knock at the door six years later and it's just like, why'd you kick me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, that's the vibe of life. I think I've always written about similar things and I think maybe the only changes that have happened for me is that I've become more self-accepting and a little bit less... Um, critical of what, you don't know, what other people are going to think about it or mm-hmm. whether it's going to be accessible or you think about those things when you put yourself out into the world and I think less and less I care in, in of course I feel great when people respond but I feel less like it's going to change what I would do anyway. I just oh, that's think, wonderful. Yeah, I don't know. I think that's part of growing up. 
You've been so consistent over the years, Julie, like make such great output, different songs. You've been, you know, there's been so many hits over that time. Do you have a philosophy to making music that um, that keeps it so fresh and, and different and, yeah, exciting when it, when it does come out? I think just don't do it if you're not having fun doing mm. it. Because I feel like any time I've been in the studio with Angus or with anyone collaborating, when it's not fun it's never a good song. Mm, like That's really interesting. I've had a few sessions where I go in and I'm like, oh, this is a weird vibe. And I don't walk out and think, even if the song could be good, yeah. you have a memory associated with the experience. And I think we all get into art. We all get into any form of expression because we want to connect with other humans. And yeah. if that moment of connection is really good, even if the outcome isn't necessarily something you're going to put out in the world, it's worth it. Like, For sure. It all counts. Although Fleetwood Mac rumours, that would that would have been a pretty tricky studio. Uh, I feel like that would have been. <laughs> could be the I'm glad exception they got to the through rule. that, yeah. yeah but, I mean, there must, be, there must be some people who you would have encountered, um, you know, no names obviously, but, like, I've heard, you know, friends going, going overseas, especially when you go to, like, the States and you're doing sessions over there and people are just like, you know, a friend of mine was telling me about, you know, a guy comes in, this excellent songwriter, and everyone's really excited, and they walk in, sunglasses on, literally sit down, rolling a joint, don't barely say a single word, and then, and then like, halfway through with their playback of the song, they're like, oh, you should do this, and that's basically all they did the whole time they were there, just... You know, dismissive or, you know, they say one thing and that's about it. You, you you know, that must happen to you quite a bit or you must have experienced people like that. Yeah, I mean, not naming any names, I um, have had a very funny experience going into a, um, a co-write and um, this particular person was, like, jacked to the eyeballs, like, um, <laughs> and just, like, jumping around, like, it was um, so excited that you're here and... So it's so like I, I just this is a dream come true and I was thinking it's like a bit over the top like I was kind of like <laughs> I don't know if this is a legitimate and I felt um a little tinge of inauthenticity mm. um but I thought whatever that's good good vibes you know and um the track started playing that I was to write to and and there was all kinds of like a stream of ideas coming at me and I thought, you know what, I'll just do the lyric bit. I'm going to go into the thing and I went into the booth to write to write the lyrics and I was working with the engineer and I was sort of saying, God, can you roll it again? I've got an idea for this. And I sort of got to a point where it felt quite good and I came out and um, he was passed out on the couch with his Red Bull in his hand snoring. <laughs> <laughs> Now that is difficult to do. Falling asleep mid Red Bull. Mid Red Bull. You have managed to achieve that. That is pretty well done. So excited to be working with you there. So, so excited that I'm asleep. Well, Julia Stone, we're so excited to have you in the studio chatting to us. So nice to catch up. Congrats again on the album 60 Summers. It's incredible. It is really awesome. The artistic side to it as well when it comes to the art and the video clips are so impressive and incredible. And, yeah, it's really awesome to have new music from Julia Stone. We can't wait to hear more and uh, we'll thank you so much for joining us on Matt and Alex All Day Breakfast. Thank you so much for having me, boys. Look, we are getting towards the end of the show and uh, we love getting your feedback, matt.and.alex. And got a few messages, Matt O'Kind, because unlike the people in the room yesterday... It seemed like uh, a couple of listeners were disappointed that we didn't get to hear your story about a uh, lightning striking a plane you were on once. Oh, a couple. 
couple of messages, mate. My my phone was like one of Gwyneth's goop vibrators, okay, all day. Just notification after notification. The People saying, please tell us the story about the time your plane got hit by lightning. Amber says, hi, Matt and Alex. Just wanted to say I'm genuinely disappointed that I didn't get to hear Matt's story about his plane getting hit by lightning. Me too. The intrigue is real. Well, um, I mean, we, we've got a little bit of time before the end of the show. Did you want to say it? Oh, you're dreaming, mate. Honestly, wake up. Wake up to yourself. You had your chance. You and Bron both acting like absolute turkeys, okay, missing out on what is an incredibly exciting story. But no, 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 no. Bron, you, you weren't interested as much as I was because it, it just keeps flying, doesn't it? Isn't that what happens? Yeah, I don't know. They're ready for it. No, no, no. Even if you want me to tell the story now, I'm not going to tell you the story. Well, I'm giving you opportunity. If you don't want to tell the story, I'm happy to just no. I'm not. Play no, the you don't. No, music. you don't deserve. You don't deserve my stories. Neither of you. You don't deserve what is probably the best stories. So you can put as much pressure on me as you want to tell the story. And you know look, that what I'm thinking, Bron. Mm. I'm thinking it's not that good a story, and he's well, happy. Not, you know what I'm and thinking? He's happy because he doesn't have to tell it and have, no. it, abs- have it be an absolute fizzer. You obviously and now he's made blaming it, out it on okay. us. You obviously no, made no, it no, out No, 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 no. You don't. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. What All happened? Right. What? Your plane crash? I've got yeah. half of Australia. I've got half of Australia on the ringer going. Oi, tell us a story. And you two don't deserve my story. Okay. But if you must know, if you must know, it was a Monday. Just like any other day. I'd spent the Sunday night previously hosting some friends from Brisbane down in my home in Sydney. We'd gone out to a raucous underground dive bar that was playing thrashing metal music until the wee hours of the morning. Suddenly, I find myself stumbling to the boarding gates of an aeroplane on an early morning flight from Sydney to Melbourne to film a part in Celia Bacola and Pete Hellier's ABC TV show, It's a Date, where I was going to be playing a baker dropping off some delicious baked goods to Celia Bacola, who was a radio producer. I step on the plane. Oh, welcome back, Mr O'Kind. Looking sprightly as usual. Your seat is in 13C. That's right. I got that extra leg room. I start dozing. The weekend's antics catching up to me. My head resting on my open palm as I pain my wrist clocked at right angles, trying to get the most comfortable position I can. Weaving between the real-life clouds and the dream landscape inside my brain, I teeter between consciousness and sleep. Suddenly I'm in a dream. A dream of a yellow submarine. That's when it happened. A bright light shoots my eyes awake. I sit up, startled. Oh, my God! Oh, we're going down. The pilot comes on. Stay calm, stay calm, stay calm, everyone. Stay calm, stay calm. Ladies and gentlemen, you might have noticed that a large flash happening outside your window. You might have seen sparks fly from the plane wing. We have just been hit by lightning. Nothing to be concerned about. Just go back to what you were doing, and we should land perfectly safely. And we did. 
I disembarked the plane, recovered my bags and made my way to St Kilda where I was staying before we filmed the next day's episode. It was all I could surely talk about on set. Sorry, what's my line again? Also, my plane got hit by lightning. Everyone was captivated. Yeah, I know he's a character that works at a bakery, but is there any chance his plane could have been hit by lightning? You can turn this into the next episode of It's a Date, they all said. Haha, <laughs> no. I'll need to think about this story a little longer. It deserves its own podcast. And that's what happened, Alex Dyson. Here we are, seven years later, and I'm still in one piece. Although, every now and then when I pick up a battery, my eyes turn yellow. <laughs> Electric shock. Oh my god. Oh my goodness. Wow. <laughs> that is Wow. Well, there you go. The people who are asking, <clears throat> there you go. Matt O'Kine finally telling his story. And it feels to me that I just got a lamb's tongue cocktail Frankfurt drowned in <laughs> marinade to try and bring it back to life. Unbelievable. What a story. I I didn't know edges of seats were this long because I have been sitting on mine for that entire break. Wow. Wow. Goodness me. Well, thank you very much to um, Chris Mast for uh, doing his best. I mean... Oh, Rumble like, still skinning that out of some absolute hay. Tell you what. Speaking <laughs> of getting struck by electricity, he absolutely put the defibrillator on that one and tried to shock it to life. Goodness me. But uh, thank you very much to Julia Stone for joining us. Always a legend. Always great to catch up. And thank you to you, most importantly, for listening to this little podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure. And we will uh, catch you next time. More stories from (laughs) the crypt. (laughs) We'll see you then. (laughs) Listener.